Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. It's not such a wonderful day today, particularly if you happen to be living in Dublin, uh, particularly for businesses living in Dublin, because the Cabinet is today expected to agree that Dublin should move to, well, level three. They've confused everybody because they said, of course, there are uh, levels and the new plan was go- living with COVID was going to be clear, crystal clear. But it's about as clear as mud because at the moment we're in kind of 2.5-ish and they want to move to 3. Then they said 3.5 and then they said, but there may be extra restrictions, but it won't be a 4. So what the hell is it? And unfortunately, last night, Neffet uh, gave the bad news for the restaurants and I suppose gastro pubs uh, of Dublin that they may only be able to serve outdoors if they have an outdoor area to serve in, um, and they won't be able to serve indoors and they'll only be allowed to do takeaways. Now, this has devastated the business, if indeed this is the case. We won't know it a little bit later on today, but Adrian Cummins, who's the CEO of the Restaurant Association of Ireland, joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Adrian. Good afternoon. Uh, this is devastating news for your members, I imagine. I mean, I did see some tweets this morning from bar owners or gastropub owners who were very concerned and very worried. It's taken them, you know, the, the guts of six or seven weeks to try and get their businesses back up and running. They're still struggling. And now they're being told, sorry, lads, you're going again. Um, it's shocking news, devastating news for our industry uh, at a time where many business owners across the country have invested nearly 50,000 euros in getting the premises up to a compliance uh, for the regulations that have been uh, put upon us since June of, of this year uh, to make our, our premises uh, safe for customers, safe for staff. And uh, the news coming out of Neffet last night that they want to sh- effectively shut down hospitality in Dublin for the next number of weeks Three weeks till uh, October the 5th. And mind you, that's only if the cases reduce. Uh, it'll be October the 5th. If the cases continue to rise, I can imagine that would be extended. Yeah, there's a lot of um, news circulating today that there, that there possibly, possibly is the long-term strategy is to keep our industry closed as long as possible. And you could effectively see it closed until next year. Um, we don't do, do, I mean, is it contradictory? Because my thinking is, according to Neffet, in relation to public health, the idea was to try and reduce the number of people in a home, reduce the amount of house parties. Um, and now we're saying we're going to close hospitality, which is where people go to avoid having house parties in the first place. And now we're, because it is a supervised environment, obviously, because they have to keep social distance and there is screens between, you know, uh, you know the restaurant people and, and they'll have masks on and, and obviously you would enforce those rules, you know, whatever rules are necessary. So the, is it kind of contradictory because we're now going to encourage people to stay at home and gang up together and drink? Absolutely. And the, the house par- households is where the problem is. Uh, and house por- parties especially is where the real problem is. And the government won't face up to that issue to deal with it head on and to penalise those people that are breaking the regulations or the guidelines the government uh, want to, to, to bring in for, for every citizen in the country. But they are going to penalise the hospitality industry. 50,000 people could lose their jobs this weekend. People that have um, mortgages to pay, uh, families to feed. I, 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 spoke, I spoke to a barman this morning and he's selling and his car that. tomorrow. And it's, yeah, and these people uh, came back to work on the 29th of June. You can't turn on and turn off an industry like this and continue to do so. The, the, the roadmap was, was to live with the virus. 
this is not living with the virus. This is this, this is reacting, is, uh, I suppose, to a virus, this, isn't it? This is reacting to a virus, but it's also making sure that uh, uh, that that everybody's treated fairly and equally in this. Uh, this is about but, uh, okay. Do you, do you believe Adrian? Do you believe uh, your industry is being treated unfairly? I mean, for example, I'm sure you've spoken to Neffet, or not you personally, but I'm sure there has been communications to Neffet in relation to the science or the evidence of the number of cases that are coming from the hospitality industry. And from what I've seen and the evidence I've seen, it isn't disproportionate when you consider that people are together having a good time. And um, that you know there is many cases or as many cases coming from every other industry, including meat factories, food processing companies, the home. And when we talk about the home, the obvious reason why there's more in the home is because people are together for longer periods of time. And I, I don't think you can condemn people for being together in their own family home. But that, unfortunately, is always going to be a risk. But do you believe that your industry has been unfairly targeted? Absolutely. They didn't close down meat factories for three weeks uh, when the meat factories were uh, the source of the infection in Kildare uh, and an entire three counties had to close down for a number of weeks uh, down there. Uh, Dublin is the capital of the country. It's the powerhouse of the economy uh, for Ireland. And when you close down an entire uh, sector like this, you put 50,000 people that work directly in, in, in our industry uh, are now going to be unemployed. Uh, but what about all those that supply into our sector, all those suppliers that uh, need to be paid? Uh, what about those businesses that have to pay their mortgages uh, to the banks uh, with the mar- moratorium? Moratorium, moratorium is now gone at the end of September. What about all those businesses that don't have, to, won't have the money to pay commercial rates now that rates have to be paid? So and income tax returns, of course, in November as well. Exactly. So, uh, but, but Adrian, what about what about those restaurants and gastro pubs outside of uh, Dublin? Um, are they going to be affected now or disproportionately affected because you will have a lot of people, say, from Dublin who were meant to have maybe a staycation in Galway, Cork, Limerick, wherever it happens to be, and now they're being told, actually, now, obviously, there's a, it's an advice uh, not to leave your county, so they're now going to cancel, uh, maybe, their staycations. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm trying to struggle to find a European country that's doing exactly what Ireland is doing to close down a sec- an entire uh, sector like what they're doing now. No other European country has, done the same, has, has approached this in the same way. We seem to be an outlier. We seem to be unique in our, our approach to it. Um, obviously, we want to play our part in this, but there's been no, no consultation, which is no compromise given, even if it was to keep our doors open so that you would reduce our capacity, which is now reduced down to 75%. Even if we reduce that down to 50%, at least our doors are open. Uh, this is, seems to be a carte blanche. Close the doors. And if you can uh, have outdoor dining, which 90% of businesses don't, don't have. don't have, yeah. Don't course. have. I mean, that's, that to me is... Um, people that are trying well, to... Look, even, well, even if you had, we're living in Ireland, for God's sake. You know, I mean, the weather might be good for this weekend, but sure, it'll be raining for the rest of the week anyway. Yeah. So so that's not even going to be a possibility. But look, I, I, my sympathy goes out to your members. I understand uh, the government's point of view from a public health point of view, but in saying that, I think that your uh, industry has been unfairly targeted and has been for the last, certainly the last two or three months. Thank you very much indeed, Adrian Cummins, who is the CEO of the Restaurant Association of Ireland, on the line as well as Louise O'Reilly, Sinn Féin TD, and spokesperson for Enterprise Trade and Employment. Good afternoon to you, Louise. Good afternoon, Niall. Louise, are these restrictions, I mean, firstly, let's talk about the clarity. Stephen Donnelly doesn't seem to be believed as mixed messaging. We started off at a 2, then we're Dublin is a 2.5, or maybe a little bit more. Then we said Dublin are going to go to a 3. Actually, no, maybe it'll be a 3.5, but a little bit extra, so is it a 3.7? They're making, they're discrediting their own plan 
before we've even got it going. And the day, I mean, the other important thing to remember, Niall, and, and, uh, and I don't think this is going to be lost on your listeners either, is they've had six months to do this plan. So this plan has been very much heralded. But on the day they announced it, they announced, uh, you know, they announced a five-stage plan with six stages. Um, it became clear to me last night, Louise, when I had two listeners on the air arguing over whether they could leave Dublin or not to go to work, right? And and neither of them, they were, they were like denying me like Christ on the cross, saying, no, no, you'll be arrested. And I said, you won't be arrested if you're going to work. It's a necessary journey if you have to go to Drada to work, for example, or come from Drada into Dublin to work. That's a necessary journey. You won't be arrested. But this is the confusion they've created. Nobody's clear about what actually is going on anymore. No, and I think the thing we need to uh, to really focus on here is that people want to do the right thing. They just need clear messaging to be able to do the right thing. I haven't spoken to a single solitary person who says, I want to, I want to find out what the advice is so I can break it. People are telling me I want to find out what the advice is so I can understand it and I can implement it in my own life. I want to do the right thing. Now, we have had chaos. Even the government ministers and junior ministers themselves have acknowledged that the messaging uh, hasn't been great thus far. Um, I think that needs to change. But I also think we need to shift from this culture of, of blame and, and finger pointing and get into doing what we can do well. But, so, but, but, you know, they, but we're looking for leadership and some of the best, uh, you know, uh, Professor Donaldson, who has been uh, acclaimed to be one of the best disease eradicators in the world, uh, sadly passed away two years ago. He rid the world of smallpox and all these other things. And he said the most important thing is leadership and good guidance from a government into what direction you go in. We're not getting that. Initially, we got it a bit at the start. And even the phase plan, as much as I didn't agree with everything Leo and Simon were doing, the phase plan gave people a date on a calendar. Well, look, we can go to the cinema on that day. We can get married on this day. You know, the restaurants and bars will be open on this day. Maybe we might get to go on holidays in September, October. But So at least there was a target for people. All we've done now is we've given this kind of chaos a name. And that's all it is. It's chaos. We have now an industry on its knees. We can't, I mean, only this morning, the head of the WHO said there might never be a vaccine. So what are we going to do, Louise? We had the last week saying he thought there was going to be a vaccine in, in, uh, in, in early 2021. So, I mean, I, I, I dearly wish he'd pick up the phone and ring the head of the World Health Organization. Just tell absolutely. Well, Leo Varadkar seems to be absolutely abundantly clear. We've had another vaccine failure, I believe, in Australia. There was one in Oxford failure last week. And now Mike Ryan from the WHO is saying there may never be a vaccine. So the point is that well, we need to get the word vaccine needs to go. We need to concentrate on what we can do. So one of the things that we can do is we can stop saying we're going to ramp up this and ramp up that and we can actually get the testing capacity in place so that we have the swabbing right, we have the testing right and we have the tracing right. That enables you to drill down so that if there has to be a restriction on movement that you can do it on a postcode basis. That's what they're doing in the north. You can drill it down to a small number of houses, to a small uh, community and you can eradicate it that way. Now, you know, we need uh, a plan to get ahead of the virus and test it. Are we focusing? But are we focusing too much? Don't get me wrong. The uh, testing, tracing, and tracking is very important to try and you know close it down for ourselves, so we know what's going on. But when I spoke to Professor Moynihan last week from uh, Manute University, uh, Moynihan, sorry, he said to us that the PCR testing, uh, because it's very sensitive, and we're running it through thirty-five to forty-five cycles, as Killian Gaskin said, we're picking up old cases of COVID nineteen or coronavirus that could indeed be five to six weeks old. In other words, it's not a proper indication of how many people are actually infected at the moment. So are we, you know, what we should be looking at is obviously hospitalizations, ICUs and mortality. Mm-hmm. So are we focusing too much on how many cases we have? 
Well, what we need to focus on is what we can do and how we can get to level one. That should be the focus. It seems that the focus is on how they can get us up to the next level, up to the higher level and more restrictions. I'd like to see a bigger focus and a laser-like focus on where the areas of concern are. There hasn't been a compelling case made for uh, concern around restaurants. So from what I have seen, restaurants have behaved very, very responsibly mm-hmm. and those gastropubs have behaved very responsibly. So what they're saying to the government now is there's 50,000 jobs on the line in Dublin. Please, please, please explain to us why it is that we cannot open when they don't see that they're, that, that they're, they're operating at a risk. They've also called, and no representative association, uh, I think in the history of ever, calls for more regulation and to come down hard on, on any breaches. But the Licensed Vintners Association have actually taken that step of saying to the government, come down hard on us if we breach it, but for God's sake, give us a chance. Give us a chance to open safely. Give us a chance uh, to get this right. Work with us. Talk to us. Let us know how we can do it right. There's 50,000 jobs on the line. And, and that's only, direct, that's only directly, payment. by the way. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. But the pandemic unemployment payment has just been reduced. Today is the day that it is reduced. That's rigid, yeah. And, and those people are going to be facing a very bleak couple of weeks. I know, I, know. I spoke to a friend I, this morning. He's a barman, Louise. He's selling his car tomorrow. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's not the only, and I spoke to workers in Aer Lingus and, and they're having to do the same. They're having to see work houses that they're renting and move back in with their parents. But Louise, I, what, but, what, but Louise, Louise you're, you're on the special COVID committee, okay? So you're hearing the evidence all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and you're hearing contrary evidence. You're hearing, you know, you're hearing anecdotal stories, etc., etc., you know? I mean, there's no doubt there's a virus out there. There's no doubt, and I, I don't believe in any of these conspiracy theories, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that it is killing very, very vulnerable people. But thankfully, this particular virus, when I say thankfully, I don't mean that in a bad way, it, it, it's sparing our younger people and it's sparing those generally under the age of 65. And, it's, and sadly for those people over 65, they're most at risk. We need to protect them or shield them, if that's the right word to use, and spend mm-hmm. every resource we can in doing that. But meanwhile, we're continuing... To, to, like other countries around Europe, with the exception of one or two, like Sweden, who haven't, who have now been proven right, by the way, but I'm not going to get into that today. What we're doing is destroying people's lives, their lifestyles, their way of life, their quality of life. We're destroying everything, their businesses. Uh, people are going, to, we are going to see a multitude, an unquantifiable amount of uh, secondary deaths from people not being diagnosed for diseases because we can't deal with non COVID related incidents, despair, poverty, homelessness. It's all to follow. And we, many, many intelligent people have said we will look back at this as a monumental mistake in the way we've dealt with it. We're saying we're living with COVID, but we're not. We're just reacting every day to it and putting people out of work. But that's why we need a plan. So one of the one of the uh, the key tenants to this has to be to restart non-COVID care in our hospitals. Sinn Féin has published a plan. Uh, it's a 1.9 billion euro plan, but it is very, very necessary. The other thing we need to do is we need to have a focus on mental health. So the impact of this, of the shutdown, of restricted movement, of not being able to socialise and hug each other in a normal way, the impact of that on people's mental health is going to be absolutely catastrophic. Now, I would take one issue with you there, Niall, in relation to it, it doesn't really affect uh, younger people. We don't know the long-term effects of this virus. So it is important that we try to get ahead of it and that we try to beat it. But in order to be able to beat it, we have to have clear messaging, we have to have test and trace, and we have to have a government that's providing leadership instead of chaos. And that is so, so badly needed. We also need to look at different sectors. So we need to look at the aviation sector and look at those workers in Dublin Airport and Erlingus and all of the other airlines 
who are now living, as one lady told me, 250 euros for two weeks' work was all of the wages that she got. I had a guy on last week, who, I think Shannon, he was on from Shannon, 60 quid, yeah. 60 quid yeah. two weeks they, they, they have to pay their rent, they have to mm-hmm. feed their kids, they have to do all of that. Their lives are being ripped asunder. The aviation sector needs a specific measures put in place. We need to have a proper updated green list. We need to know how we can do things safely. And we need the focus from the government to shift from how they're going to get us to level four into how they're going to get the whole, uh, the, the, the whole state into level one. Push back all the time. We need to be fighting the virus. We need to be pushing back against it. And in order to do that, we need that clear messaging. We need the test and trace. And we need to, you're right, we need to get back to some semblance of living and not just constantly Because as, as I said to you, there's, react- more, there's more to living, you know, I mean, than just biologically being alive. I mean, we are human beings. There's been great research done in relation to human beings and primates and how social isolation, social isolation can have a fierce damage on our mental health and our physical health as well because, of course, when we isolate, we don't feel too good. And we spoke to Professor Collins last week, uh, a very eminent man from Tala Hospital, a geriatrician, who told mm-hmm. us that older people want to die. They're actually coming to him saying, we prefer to be dead than live like this. And that's that a shocking that? indictment of the way that's we're awful. living at the moment. No, but you see, we're sociable creatures. Like I haven't hugged my my mum, and this is not, not all uh, all about you know how, how sad I am. I'm very lucky. My my mum and dad are healthy, but I haven't hugged my mum since March. I nearly hugged her the other day, and I got a fright. The two of us jumped back. I mean, I'm a huggy person. My mum's a huggy person. I'm a huggy we, person. We, we're we, all huggy people. <laughs> we're but, we are, but, but we are humans. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I mean, you're sitting on that committee and you listen to Michael McNamara, who I have to say is doing a wonderful job, by the way, as, as chair of the committee, by the way, the COVID committee. And I'm listening and I've watched a couple of the, you know, the bits and pieces live on TV and stuff like that or live online. And there's some wonderful people coming on there. And I know he's done some wonderful interviews, but none of it seems to be getting any further than the special COVID committee. So we're not hearing that evidence outside. I mean, in relation to Neffet, do you absolutely fully support Nevitt. I support, absolutely, I support the need for public health advice. I didn't what ask you, I'm asking you that. Oh, no, do you, no, do, no, do you support the people that are there at the moment? Bear with me for one second. Okay. The job of Nevitt is to assess all of the available public health information. The job of government is to lead. So absolutely, Nevitt have to advise and then government has to decide what steps are appropriate. But what this government have done is they've put two more layers in between Neffet and the cabinet. And they've just set so up another committee. I know, yeah, they, subcommittee. They have an oversight, so it goes from Neffet to the oversight committee, from the oversight committee to the cabinet subcommittee on COVID, and then to cabinet. Now, I look at... It, it, nobody anywhere ever said, do you know what we need to, to get ahead of this? We need another committee. You know, nobody. That's but it is, it is a time, and the suggestion has been made in the UK, and the suggestion has been made in other countries, SAGE in the UK, of course, and many other uh, public health emergency teams around the world, that the idea is that you change these committees on a regular basis to stop what they call groupthink. In other words, if you've got 10 people on a committee, be it Neffet or be it whatever committee you happen to have, they're always going to think the same way because they feel the same way. Just like I have a view on it and you have a view on it and we all have a view on it, right? And generally that doesn't change. So is it not advisable to turn around and say, right, there's other immunologists in the country, there's other GPs, there's other, I know there's a couple of civil servants on it, there's different people from different walks of life. Is it not fair to turn around and say, let's change that committee, let's get some fresh minds in there, different thinking about the way we're dealing with this? Well, the the... the, the Makeup of the committee of of, of NVET isn't static, so they can call in other voices. They can uh, they can call in other We're people not hearing to help them. with them. We're not hearing yeah, them. Yeah, and I think, but you know, one thing I have noticed, Nile, and I think you've probably picked this up yourself. The thing that is really, really resonating with people is when you start talking common sense, because people want they they know the common sense approach. So when you're saying things like let's test in the meat factories, let's test in direct provision, let's go to where this virus is 
and meet it head on and, and you know, get the testing and tracing right. Let's look at common sense solutions. Let's look at things that make sense. That's, the, that's what's really resonating with people. You know, where but you isn't, think, it, isn't the you, common you sense to protect those? Well, sorry for interrupting. When, when we look at a virus like this, which is extremely dangerous to vulnerable people and, ver- and certain groups in society in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't the common sense approach to protect those people and allow everybody else to get on with their lives? Isn't that the way we should try and do things? And I know Boris Johnson mentioned this yesterday and Tony mm-hmm. or, uh, Hancock in the UK as well said this as well. That, yeah, we, well. that we need to look at those groups as best. I mean, we've had 43 outbreaks or, or clusters, should I say, in care homes again in the last week, according to RTE yesterday. That's really worrying. And that is. And I can, and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, sadly, the mortality rate slightly go up again, because yeah. unfortunately, those people are in very vulnerable situations. We did this back in March uh, when we, uh, when I say we allowed so many people to die, but certainly with stupid mistakes that we made by moving people out from hospitals into care homes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we but don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to go down that route again, but it, it does seem to be happening. But I understand the problem that the difficulty the government have there is trying to, it's a balancing act between allowing them to have visitors and protecting them. So it's a difficult balancing act. And all you need is one person to infect the whole care home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in saying that, again, that's where we should be focusing. For example, we have five 10-minute tests or out there, antigen tests at the moment. They're not as um, accurate as the test that takes 24 hours, but they're 97% mm-hmm. accurate. So why not have all those tests so everybody who visits somebody in a care home is tested five minutes? Test. But why not ensure that everybody gets their test turned around at the same at the same quick time as the minister for health did? That's what. Well, well, well it was astonishing that he managed to get a test in three hours the other night. I mean, well, I can tell you that made an awful lot of people angry. My phone lit up like a Christmas well, tree. Well, of course, that, because that if, that I, if, I got it, if I got it, if I got it, people are saying I have waited X number of days. My daughter has waited. I'm at home and I can't go to work and I can't yeah. get my daughter to go back to school. Well, All I know. Of that stuff. People went bananas and justifiably so. But I would say, look, that is good. It is absolutely brilliant that the test was turned around in that time. It's important that we have a cabinet that functions. We can turn so tests around in 10 minutes, everybody? Louise. Louise, why tests. Why can't we have everyone, everybody's tests turned around in that time and the contact tracing done in real time? This is what's going to work. So, I mean, you know, everybody is at this stage now. I think we're... we're let, me, let me give you... Can I give you one quick example before we go? I, I know somebody last week who uh, was in contact with a person who tested positive for COVID-19. They knew themselves because it was a friend and they rang them and said, listen, I have COVID-19. I, I'm fine, but he said, I have no symptoms whatsoever. They were young people, no symptoms whatsoever. And he, and he said, oh, Jesus, I better get tested. So so mm-hmm. he rang his GP. He was too busy to see him. He rang the HSE. They said, oh, look, uh, do you have any symptoms? And he went, well, no. He said, well, how old are you? And he told me the age. And he said, actually, you're probably all right anyway. You'd be grand. And he went, right, but can I get a test anyway? Mm-hmm. I, uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll ring you back. They didn't ring him back. Two days later, he rang again, and they eventually gave him, for four days later, they gave him a, a date for a test. Now, that was, now we're up to a week, right? Eventually, after six days, the HSC contact tracing unit rang him and said, hi, you've been in contact with somebody for COVID-19, that was, and we'll organise a test for you in two days' time. So now, seven it's days had passed. Like that, too common. But, but he, if he didn't know this person, let's say that it was in a restaurant or something like that, he didn't oh, know yeah, them, absolutely. he was walking around for a week with COVID-19, and passing it on to as many people as he wanted to. But this particular person took the responsibility of just staying at home. But other people might not. Yeah, and that's why we need to have the contact tracer. And see, here's the thing. And, you know, I don't want to be unnecessarily critical uh, of the government. I try to be constructive. I did when I was a party health spokesperson. I do now as enterprise and trade spokesperson. But they have had six months to get this test and tracing right. And we've had six months of, yes, we have the capacity to, to do X number of tests. Yes, we're ramping up. My God, if I hear that phrase, ramping, ramping up, it's the most overused <laughs> phrase know. coming from the government. And I, I feel like saying some days, no, just 
stop ramping up. Just just get it. Get the tests up to the level. Stop saying we could do 100,000 tests. Just do 100,000 tests. But get all of it right. So get the swabbing right, get the testing right, and get the tracing right. And if need be, get the isolation right. That is how we're going to effectively live. With I, I, it. I think I live, think faster I mean, testing as well. Live, the same as mm. you, the same as you mean live, not just coexist. Uh, you know, in in this kind of very structured and restricted way. But well, we're all living in a live. bubble, aren't we? Really, you know what I mean? A little bit, a little yeah. bit. And I think you know, I, I feel particularly for for elderly people as we head into the uh, as we head into the winter. I think what they're looking at now is uh, you know the further period of isolation. And it's all very well to say you're isolated for your own good. And as people get that, we don't want our older older people to become infected. But it would be much better if we were managing Absolutely. the community and, just, and just, getting it right. Just finally, I mean, 80 billion has been predicted by some of the economists in relation to what this has cost so far, roughly about a billion euro a week now at this stage, right? Um, you know, back in 2018, we had the health service in this country crying out for resources uh, when we had a really bad flu season and people were on trolleys. We all remember the stories of a poor woman, 24 hours, sitting in her own urine, you know, in A&E. Thankfully, we don't have that at the moment, but we're heading back into that again. Uh, where did we suddenly produce all this money for? When we had a homeless crisis, we had a health crisis, we had all these things going on, you know, two years ago, we seemingly had no money to fix it. And now suddenly we can pull, well, we can get into debt for 80 billion to fix the country and to put us in a worse situation than we were ever in in the history of the state. Where did this money suddenly appear from? Well, bearing in mind the reason we need to spend so much money and the reason we needed such stringent restrictions was because our health service has been consistently underfunded over decades. And we needed to be able to create that capacity within the health service. So when we, we purchased in massive amounts of capacity from the private sector at an absolute premium eye-watering price. Oh, yeah. Very necessary, absolutely. What was it, 116 million a month or something like that, yes, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it, was, it was there and, and, and plus additional costs. We don't know the full cost of it actually until they, until they toss it up at the end. But that was, you know, I mean, it was important that we got the capacity. But my God, we paid for it. And the reason we needed it was because we didn't have capacity in the health service. But here's another thing I did. This, this was something that, that really worried me. During the week, we had 80 people on trolleys in the Midwest Regional Hospital in Limerick. So the trolleys haven't gone away. And that's before the, uh, the flu surge and the winter surge starts. So there's a huge amount of work to be done. Oh, and the lesson, the lesson we need to learn from this is, number one, never, ever should any future government impose a recruitment moratorium on frontline healthcare workers, as was done by Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Labour and the Green Party in previous governments. That should never ever happen again and secondly we need to adequately resource our health service so we, we, need, we need to keep the students the nurses and doctors we need to keep them in the country and not we let need them to give them a reason to stay now. Absolutely, we need to absolutely. tell them we want them and we will build a health service that is decent that is the, that is the job that is the, that is the work we need to do okay. we need to say to them we want you here and give them a reason to stay All right, listen thank you very much indeed and I appreciate you coming on the air Louise O'Reilly Sinn Féin TD spokesperson for uh, Enterprise Trade and Employment lots of your messages by the way coming in as well um, I'll play one or two of them after the break but I want to know how you feel about the new restrictions which are going to be announced today uh, I'll go through them with you all after the break but you all have a fair idea it's not quite a Dublin lockdown but it's almost and uh, do you think it's acceptable is it fair I know you're going to say to me well you didn't give out about it when it was Kildare and oil I did I did at the time because I didn't believe it was warranted but however um, do you believe it's fair is it disproportionate to what we're dealing with at the moment let me know the number is 087 188 0008 somebody says not how many people are in ICU 14 people 
people in the whole country. Hi now, it's Mark here. I kind of wonder why is it they're picking out on pubs and gastro pubs and restaurants and all that? What's that about? There seems to be no logic behind it. I mean, they're not stopping anybody going into supermarkets and buying food. Um, but why are they stopping people being in restaurants and bars? Um, it seems that they are simply singling out all these these uh, these industries and these places and and uh, for no real reason. There's just no logic in it whatsoever. Like uh, there's a motor factors I'm passing by here at the moment. What's to stop people going into the motor factors? And, you know why don't you just close down the motor factors or you know whatever people walking in the park too long like just doesn't make any sense uh, it's just gone madness thanks for that boy Yep, the madness uh, well, is going to continue, by the way, because Ireland, or should I say Dublin in particular, will be moving to a level 3 or 3.5 or maybe a little bit more, probably 3.5B version 2 uh, because the confusion over the way these levels are working. Essentially, look, it basically means they're asking you not to leave the county. It does look like, according to Neffet, and the advice they're giving to government, we'll know a little bit later on whether the government take that advice. They always seem to take that advice um, because Neffet seem to be the ones that are making decisions in the country at the moment, uh, that they will be closing uh, restaurants and bars. Um, well, gastro bars are the only ones obviously open at the moment, um, but unless they can serve food outdoors or do takeaways. Uh, and as you heard already, Adrian Cummins mentioned that 80% of restaurants and uh, gastro bars don't have facilities to serve outdoors. Some do have beer gardens, but sure, look, this is Ireland. It's probably going to rain anyway. Um, also, um, people from just one other household can visit your home, but that may change today if they go to a 3.5 or 3.7 or whatever it is, and there may be nobody allowed from another home. Again, we don't know, and we'll know, know later on when Cabinet makes its an, uh, announcement. Under level three, people should work from home unless it is absolutely necessary. To clarify as well, because there was a lot of confusion about this, and the Minister of Justice clarified this the other day. If you live in Dublin and you work in Drogheda or Kildare, you you can go to work if indeed you have to go to work. If you work in a factory and it's not possible to work at home, you can go to work. The same way as if you were live in Drogheda or live in Kildare, you can come into Dublin to work. You're allowed to come in and out to work because that's considered to be a necessary journey. Or any other extenuating circumstances that were considered necessary. You can do that. They're asking people not to leave frivolously. But this idea of closing the bars and the restaurants um, who can't serve outside is pathetic, to be quite frank about it. I don't know what Neffet's idea behind this is uh, because all I can see happening, particularly when it comes to younger people who can be a little bit more frisky, and look, we were all young once. I'm not blaming them for that. If they live in Dublin and they want to go out for a meal, they just go to Drada or they just go to Brace. So now we're encouraging people to leave the city to go for a drink or go for a meal because we're going to close them in Dublin. We're also going to encourage them to have house parties because if we don't let them go to a pub or a restaurant to have a glass of wine or whatever it is or go out with their friends. They'll just do it at home and break the rules anyway. So it's a kind of pointless exercise. Let me just go to Anne. Anne, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Anne? Hi, Niall. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. It does seem rather pointless, but anyway, um, but do, yeah. okay. Do, well, do, do you believe it's in the interest like, of public health? I was listening to the radio yesterday, and I was listening to um, a guy got on. And he was in the in the Economist, and he got on, and he said that the old people should stay at home and let the young people have their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the government should open the pubs open the restaurants, open the hotels, leave them open. And then the young people wouldn't be all in a cluster in one... Um, yeah, you would dilute the problem, yes. Yes. 
um, it wouldn't um, wear, as the phrase they use today is a free gaff. <laughs> you know, and they all end up there. They all have to go home. They all have to go home to their parents. Yeah. And who's to say that they're bringing it home? And the well, that's always going to be a possibility. And that's always going to be a possibility. And I think we have to try our best to, you know, educate um, yes. elderly people, particularly are those who would be vulnerable into what protecting themselves. The yeah. What is the pubs? Now, I not want to go to a pub, but the thing about it is, I was young once as well. Yeah, and you but enjoyed your life, is, didn't you? They have to, they, they can't be drinking on the streets. I, 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 well, I said this yesterday, and I was talking to Lena Ashling yesterday, and I said, I remember when I was 20 and 22, and I was out in nightclubs and was out having a good time. I was a DJ in the nightclubs. So I was having the great crack. And I feel sorry for young people right now at the moment who are missing out on all the social events of going to gigs, going to festivals, having a few drinks with their mates, having a barbie out the back garden. I think they're missing all this. We're, we're taking all this away from them. I understand public health advice and I understand the reasoning behind it. But at some point, we have to say this is not going to work long term. It just yeah, won't. But the thing about it is, Niall, I understand where you're coming from. But what about us? The people, us, our work, work classed as old people. These are supposed to be our golden years. And what would you, I mean, okay, and what would you like to do? Whatever, and go down to such and such a place. Now we can go nowhere. We're told to stay in. But here's the thing, Anne, right? What would you like to, uh, as somebody, can I ask you how old you are, Anne? I'm 65. You're only a young woman. God. You're only a young one, Anne. I know I'm only a young one. But, like... (laughs) And what would you like to do? I mean, do you believe you're at risk when you when you go out and you hop on a dart or you That's or a bus? Are you at risk to, to the government these days? That is old. Now you know you have to think of you. That is old. But you, I mean, no, I'm asking you when you go out, and I'm assuming you're going out at the moment shopping or doing whatever you need to do. Go right? shopping, yeah. yeah. Okay, when you go out, are you worried? Um, I was in the beginning, but I'm not now. I, I I kind of know um, I know what to do. You, you common sense. You, you you wash your hands and you you keep your distance and yeah, all that kind of and, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I let people older than me um, go before me, or yeah, um, I'll stand back and I I let them. Well, isn't that isn't that what this should be all about? Yeah, but the thing about it is, Niall, I have a son that's getting married Friday week. Where is he getting married in Dublin? No, and he's getting married down in the country. Okay. And he's getting married up here, but he has to go down to Port Leash for a reception. Now, that that lad has... um, He's ordered cake three or four times. He's ordered cards. He's cancelled. He's ordered. He's cancelled. And this time now around, he said, it's like this, ma'am. I'm just going to walk up the aisle, walk back down the aisle, and I'm going home. That's terrible, isn't it? I mean, because I know in relation to weddings, by the way, if you're having a wedding in Dublin uh, up until the 5th of October, they will be announcing today whether weddings will be reduced. The numbers of weddings... What's the numbers on weddings, huh? Sorry. 25 people, level 3. 
and that could be increased even more. I don't look again. We have to wait for cabinet today, but it, it will be at least uh, it'll be twenty five people. So those of you who organised a wedding for fifty people under the old level two uh, are now going to be told, "Sorry, you're going to get rid of twenty five people there." Uh, I'm going to go to Carl after the break. Sorry, thank you very much indeed, Dan, and I understand your concerns. Noel, how are you doing? Um, I would just like to say on this, I just think that all pubs, all restaurants should all open, stay open from tomorrow onwards or wherever. And we just live with the virus. As all that we hear in, uh, on every radio media and the tele- television media stuff is that these pubs and restaurants have gone above and beyond. They're nearly cleaner than hospitals at this stage um, to keep the country going and to keep themselves going, keep people in work. And it's tax. And this country is going to go to the dogs. Like every probably country in the in the in the world, it's going to go to the dogs after all this. So we need to start looking after our own people. You look at we have to live with the virus, and I I I've hated to hear that that you know let's 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 live with this virus, but we're going to have to. Otherwise, it's going to be just suicides left, right, and centre, and we're going to be having a, a totally different a different epidemic. Um, I'm just so annoyed at the the fact that the government just sit on the high you know, the high perch and look down on us and just go, we'll, we'll deal with this and we'll deal with that and we'll deal with the other. You know, they've broken the rules. You know what I mean? So I just think that restaurants and pubs should stay open. You know, what's the, what, what are they going to do? They can't go around and police every single restaurant and um, pub in Dublin and Ireland. So I just say we stand together as a nation and we just keep the pubs and restaurants open and we support them the way we always have supported them and we just stay safe. And as they, the, the first thing they've always said was, wash your hands, wear a mask, Social distancing. That's it. End of story. End of story. Not end of story. Apart from the government, far as the government is concerned, I wonder if Neffet, by the way, and the government were on a pandemic payment of three hundred, which is what it is today. By the way, it's been reduced. Whether they be making the same decisions, Carl, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Carl? I don't know. Um, people are kind of getting a little bit sick of it now at this stage. When I say sick of it, you know, it's getting more difficult for people to continue to be isolated and compliant in okay. things that go against being a human being. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I do feel I feel it myself, and I feel it for other people out there, and the businesses, the restaurants, and that. But, but on one side, and so, on one side of you, have to look at this, right? We locked down. We didn't lock down properly. We still allowed students to do it to to run amok after what our health service and our elderly and other people what we have tried to do, and our young just went out and ran amok. And also leaving our... When you say our, when you say they ran amok... Uh, no, Carl, on, Carl, Carl, how old are you? How old are you? Niall, it was on your show about the way they did the, the, that street in Cork, the College Street, and it was, there was just bedlam on it. Now, it was on your show about it. Yeah, but they've you, always had parties in that street in Cork. Yeah, but it's worse now. I don't... It's worse well, now. well, 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 well maybe it's is, worse, Carl, because we're not letting them go anywhere else. Well, why should, well, well this is the thing, Niall. Well, you were young ones, we Carl. Did. I'm older. I'm, I'm 57. And, and I do feel it for them. But listen, this, 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 this is to do with our national health. And I feel it for the restaurants and all the businesses that are suffering. But you, you just have to look across the world at Asia where scientists and specialists are going to Thailand, for example, at the moment. They've just surpassed 100, 100 days with no cases. There's been 56 deaths in the country to, to date. They were the first case, the first country in the world to... to and you believe? And you believe their stats? Do I believe that? That I do, yes. Okay, because a lot of people are very doubtful about some of the stats that are coming out of some of the Asian countries, whether they're actually reporting them properly. For example, in China at the moment, they're only testing people with symptoms. They're not testing people randomly. I'm not talking about China. No, I'm just, just talking in general. I'm, yeah. No, I'm talking about a country where there's people being, there's, there's scientists and wondering how the hell they have did it so well. They've locked down properly. 
But they lock down off licenses. So, so okay. They, so, they, what they, do you, they, so what do you they, think we should do, Carol? If you, if you were in charge tomorrow, it was your job, right, to make decisions tomorrow. I'm putting you on the spot here, okay? Right. So what, what would you do right now tomorrow? Okay, I look at Sweden. Sweden were naive at the start, and they didn't lock down. And then after a while, they, they put their hands up and said, yeah, we were silly not to, to think that we would have got away with this by leaving our restaurants and what have you open. And then they were flooded with cases. And now, and so, now, now the, if you look at all the articles in Sweden and the papers, people are saying, well, actually, Sweden now has shown the rest of us with egg in her face because they have the lowest case numbers, the lowest mortality uh, in Europe. Uh, and, and, everybody is overta- and everybody's overtaken them and they never brought restrictions in at all. They did have restrictions in. Well, they brought some restrictions in, but it was, my, my, it was my, guidance, I suppose, more so than anything else. My brother-in-law's in the, in the, in the, an officer in the Swedish Navy, yeah. and they did bring in... I know. They, uh, what they said was, they, they asked people to social distance, they asked people to wash their hands, well, they I asked just, people to stay at home well, if they I, could. I just feel that we should put it... Put, we should put... If we're going to go into lockdown again, and if they get all this... Well, you haven't answered me question. I have 16 seconds. Answer me question. So you're, you're in charge. You're Michal Martin, right? Or Stephen yeah, I'd Donnelly. Lock it down. I'd lock it down today. Everything. I'd lock, it, I'd lock, I'd lock everything down. I'd For how long? Okay, for how long? I would uh, until we saw some uh, until the figures start to start to drop, as we would see. Okay, so let, let's ourselves. let's go with your theory. If it so took two months, let's say it took two months or three months. Okay, so let's say we go, we lock down the whole country, a strict lockdown for three months, and we get the figures down to only two cases a day, right? Okay, yeah. what do you, what do you do then? I would open back up the country, and, and I would leave, and I would hang on. I I haven't finished now. Okay, I would then leave our borders closed. No international travel for the time being. So for how long? No. So no tourism till, for what, till the virus goes away? This is what I would do. That's a ridiculous so, statement, Carl. That's a fantasy I, idea. You're, we're allowing people from red zones to come into the... But, but, your, the but your idea is a fantasy idea that you could eradicate the virus just in Ireland when it's still in every other country in the world. So what would you do? Would you put a border in Uri to stop people from Belfast coming to Ireland? Yeah, I would stop. Would you? you yeah. well, then you're going to start a civil war. How would you feel about that? Well, no, no, no. I would stop people coming in into Ireland, the Republic. We can't stop Britain. What well, then, we- okay, so they just fly into... I know loads of people who are coming from Britain flying into Belfast and coming down to Ireland. So what are you going to do with that? So all it'll take is one case to start it all off again. And now you've just wasted three months of people's lives in lockdown. Yeah, that's why I said we lock our borders. I said so, yeah, okay, so you're going to put a border... So the only way to lock the borders is close the airports completely and put a border in Uri. Do you not think, Carl, that sounds like the oh, most no, ridiculous no, I, idea I, in the I, world? I, 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 I wouldn't like to mess with the, the peace process or anything like oh, that. Well, that's but, what you're talking but, about, isn't it? But, but I'm talking about international. Don't know anybody from That is international. Well, I wouldn't allow them to come into the north. <laughs> you've, well, okay, you've just started civil war, Carl, on the island of Ireland, right? And your plan wouldn't work. People get into this country all the time. They come into this country from two different routes on a regular basis. All it would take, and I understand the point you're making, and this is a fantasy idea being thrown out about people about a zero-COVID-free island. And let's say three months, you lock everybody down. All the cases are gone. All it takes is one person back in the country to start it all off again because it's all over the world. You can't do that. It didn't work in New Zealand. It's not going to work here. Well, Australia have, have their country. Many countries have... Have you seen have, Australia? Would you like to live in Australia where the police are literally walking into people's homes and arresting them? Would you like to see that in this country? If that's what it takes, no, uh, I stop this. Okay. Yes. All right, Carl, thanks very much indeed for your plan. I don't know if many people would agree with you. I think we have to live our lives as a thing called quality of life as well. Um, and pro- dis- or I suppose proportionality of restrictions. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.